0: Episode 14, Gin and Crime Part 2. Dun, dun,
1: dun,
0: that was my film noir song. No, it
1: was very, that was very noir. Well, welcome to episode 14. Yep, today we are going to talk about gin and crime again, but this time we're going to focus on the Prohibition Era. So we've got that coming up for you. We've also got a very relevant recipe, um, which is the Southside Gin Fizz, which was Al Capone's favourite cocktail. Yep. So we'll show you how to make that. It's a it's a simple enough recipe. It's very simple, but my word, is it good? Yes, four four
0: ingredients, I think it is. Yeah, uh, and
1: we've got a confession, haven't we, Matthew?
0: Yes, we have. Oh. Over over the Christmas period, we we did something bad. We tried a vodka, and we liked it. we oh, <sighs>
1: really liked it.
0: But in our defence, it is from a gin company. It is.
1: I mean, we always bang on about on this show about how vodka is just unfinished gin. Uh, don't drink it yeah. but we were in Phoenix, weren't we yeah
0: and Heppel, the gin company yes uh have discovered this absolutely beautiful flavor for their uh vodka yeah like we tried it and we were like oh my god i'd say it's closer to gin than vodka
1: yeah and um the guy the chap who was there walter who's an amazing chap
0: yeah He's a great lad, yeah. He's Walter. Yeah,
1: so we talked at length to him about this because yes. he he was almost trying to counsel us into uh, accepting the yeah. fact that. Uh, <laughs> well, like, I mean,
0: Walter was great. I've, we've met him before, and he was an absolute delight. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna get involved with Hepal Gin a bit uh, bit more. Yeah, later but, on.
1: yeah, definitely. But so yes, it's made by a gin company. It doesn't contain juniper, so they don't call it gin, but it is.
0: It's beautiful. It's like a, uh, it's it's like a piney, is not it? Douglas
1: fir vodka. Yeah, yeah like Heppel Douglas oh. fir vodka. So they they're based up here around our way, in yeah. Northumberland, and they make it from local pine hmm. trees. Yeah,
0: apparently they go out for walks and pick it themselves. So it's like how how good's that? How fresh? <laughs> and the, you don't get as fresh as that anywhere.
1: No. And uh, if you haven't been up to Northumberland, the air around here is uh, it's very fresh, isn't yeah.
0: it? That is uh, what we have in store for you on episode 14. Yes. Goodness me, 14 episodes. 14 hours.
1: We're old timers now.
0: Where's, Where's that from? I don't know. You don't know? Sorry about that. It's episode 14. Gin and crime. Part two. Part two. Oh, God, such a criminal's drink. Mm, grubby. Cool.
1: Cool and grubby. Yeah. So we have talked about gin and crime before and we've also touched upon the prohibition mm-hmm. of 1920 to 1933 in previous episodes.
0: Roaring 20s. The
1: roaring 20s and a bit of the 30s. And this week we're going to take you back there. And we're going to talk about some of the crimes that were committed during that time, mainly bootlegging. We're also going to talk about gin drinking and touch upon speakeasies and that kind of thing from that era.
0: Speakeasies, they sound like fun, don't they? Mm. Sound a lot better than, I don't know, Wetherspoons or Lloyds.
1: Lloyds? What's Lloyds? Should I remember
0: Lloyds bars? No. I think they were the predecessors of. Weatherspoons. Yates's
1: mm. Wine Lodge.
0: Yeah, those kind of places. Yeah, yeah. those
1: kind of places. So we'll, we'll take you to one later. Yeah, but before we even go there, let's begin this tale in 2018. Sotheby's auction house in London. Mm-hmm. A tall silver-plated cocktail shaker goes under the hammer. It's expected to raise a fairly modest price of between a thousand to fifteen hundred pounds. It's fairly simple, elegant even. Like me. A bit like you. Yeah. yeah.
0: Tall and s- silver.
1: <laughs> That's what they say. Yeah, silver it, Reed. Silver Reed. That would be your gangster name.
0: Silver Reed. I'm thinking of another gangster name. I'll, find, I'll have a good one before the end. We're going to
1: come back to gangster names later <laughs> yeah. as well. So, but on this cocktail shaker, there's an engraving, mm-hmm. which looks like it's been scored by a slightly unsteady hand. It reads, to a regular guy from the boys, 1932. 1932. Mm. Hmm. So when the auctioneer's hammer dropped, didn't drop at 1,000, didn't make 1,500, didn't make 5,000, didn't make 20,000, this shaker raised an astounding 50,000 pounds.
0: Was it full of unicorn blood?
1: It was merely the fact that it once rested in the probably well greased palm of none other than Al Capone.
0: Alistair Capone.
1: Alphonse.
0: Uh, whatever. <laughs> Aldrew Capone. <laughs> Aldrew. <laughs> yeah, I've decided the history books are all wrong. It's Alison Capone.
1: They say history's written by the winners, but here's mm-hmm. an alternative written by a loser. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit much. Sorry, Matt.
0: No, too late
1: for that. <laughs> now, Capone probably used this cocktail shaker to mix his favourite cocktail, which was the Southside Gin Fizz. Mm. So, this cocktail combines gin, lemon juice, club soda, mint, and sugar syrup, and it's named after the Southside. South the Southside? Yes. The Southside. The Southside. Yes.
0: Oh, Aldrew. <laughs> What's he like? <laughs> Him and the Southside. <laughs>
1: The south side of Chicago, uh, over which Capone dominated. Capone's gang smuggled in gin that was much harsher than the north side gin. So north side gin was fine to drink just with a splash of ginger ale. But rough south side gin cocktails needed more ingredients, such as citrus fruit and sugar. Hence the south side gin fizz. Mm.
0: It sounds like a mojito.
1: It is a bit like a mojito, yeah. I think mojitos are typically made with rum. But, yes,
0: but I'm saying it's just like a... It's, it's like a gin
1: mojito, basically. Gin mojito, I yeah. Think. Now, before I talk more about Southside Gin and other foul concoctions thrust upon the public during Prohibition, let's talk a bit about Al Capone himself.
0: So he was a nasty piece of work, wasn't
1: he? Oh, yeah, I mean, he absolutely was. Yeah, he was probably
0: romanticised, if anything.
1: That's the funny thing about Al Capone, is that he was romanticised. He, he liked to give to charity.
0: Oh, like a Robin Hood type. Yeah, um, he was yeah. seen
1: as kind of a Robin Hood, a bit like... Um, Pablo Escobar, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, the the common man thought, "Oh, you know, he's kind of he's he's just he's helping, like his, a, community, he's helping oh, his community, helping his community." Why
0: are the police always on his back too? Absolutely good, good strategy Very for good massive strategy. organized
1: crime, isn't it? Absolutely, really good strategy. He'd get if he attended a ball game. You know, the crowd would cheer for him.
0: Yeah, it happens like that with me sometimes. You know, I'll go on i during go, go hey, It's money. In the Genial. Genial, actually. Hey, yeah. look at He Fenwick's is in
1: Phoenix, in Newcastle. Here he is. <laughs> so while his legacy has lasted for the best part of a century, mm-hmm. his reign as a gang boss only lasted seven years. He was born in New York.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think a lot of people probably think he was from Chicago, but he was.
0: I would have gone to New York. Would you? Say. Okay. Gang gold didn't really apply.
1: Yeah, well, he yeah, so he was. He joined the Five Points gang at a young age, and then moved to Chicago to serve as a bodyguard for bootlegging crime boss Johnny Torrio. Um, and, but when Torrio was subject to assassination attempt that nearly killed him, Capone was then promoted to boss in Ooh. Chicago. A bit
0: unfair,
1: isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean the fact that he was employed as a bodyguard for this guy. Yeah, and then failed, and then and failed. Went, oh, move up a notch, mate. <laughs>
0: Tell you what you want to do, bakery. what have you done? I've put uh, poison on all the donuts. Uh, go on, headburger. <laughs> <laughs> Off you go. Go make a declare. <laughs> what?
1: So Capone was quick to make friends in high places and this allowed him free reign to use whatever intimidation tactics he deemed necessary. So, for example, um, establishments that refused to buy liquor from him, he'd often just blow them up. Effective. Apparently during the 1920s he killed around 100 people just by blowing them up for not buying his booze. Water, water. Mm. Now, Capone's favorite drink was actually Templeton Rye. So he was a whiskey drinker.
0: No wonder he was villain, no wonder he was evil. Yeah,
1: I don't know if you can actually call Rye whiskey. I think it's pretty much the same thing, but there's some other fermentation yeah. that goes on during the process. But anyway, Templeton Rye was his favorite drink, which is probably unsurprising given the quality of his own product.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, that brings us back to Southside Gin itself. Mm-hmm. So. Capone may have been dripping in jewellery and wearing his smart suits, uh, but his multi-million dollar bootlegging operation churned out the worst gin you could imagine.
0: Unicorn tears.
1: Actually, probably not that
0: bad. Not that bad. No, No. but
1: pretty bad. Uh, So... Obviously, alcohol being hard to come by. Gangs had to steal it from wherever they could. So they resorted to stealing millions of gallons of industrial grain alcohol, which they would then redistill to sell in the speakeasies. Now, this wasn't just Capone's gang who, was, who were doing mm. this. This were bootlegging gangs within Chicago and throughout the state. I imagine
0: all the prohibition, everyone was just uh, distilling the house. You know what I mean?
1: Well, it, it, it's funny you say that, because um, we, we, we are going to come back to that later as well. Mm. But these would have been fairly high-scale operations. Oh,
0: yeah, like thousands and thousands of gallons,
1: yeah. Yeah, huge warehouses. Mm. and Industrial alcohol was easier to steal because it was more widely available. And the reason for that was because it wasn't drinkable. And it would have been used in production of things like gasoline, paint, cleaning products. So it was really nasty stuff. And to stay within the law, manufacturers would add foul-tasting and poisonous chemicals to it, like wood alcohol and benzene, Mm -hmm. so that it wasn't drinkable and they could therefore carry on with their business. Now, wood alcohol could kill you. It could also cause blindness and nerve damage. And not only that, but it couldn't actually be completely removed during the distillation process. So even though these bootleggers were taking it and redistilling it, would alcohol it still, remain still in the through. solution? Yeah. made um, Walter Whites, for they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No Heisenbergs. Um, so having said that, they didn't, the bootleggers didn't stop selling it. They still peddled it to speakeasies. And the government upped the ante by adding even more wood alcohol to it to make it fouler still. Uh, Again, didn't stop the bootleggers. They continued to sell it in the speakeasies. So in the United States, during the Prohibition years, around 50,000 people died from tainted alcohol.
0: Really? 50,000 people died?
1: Yeah, yeah. And this wasn't limited to Chicago, you know. Mm. In 1926, in New York alone, 750 people died from drinking spirits laced with wood alcohol. So that's within one year alone. Um, 98% of the seized contraband in New York contained poisonous additives.
0: Ruff. I suppose like any really different to smoke or though is it? Well... It would be concentrated down enough in a lot of it to make it like just slightly harmful to you, you know. You might feel a little bit ill, and let's be honest with but, all... Felt ill from a little bit of alcohol. Yeah,
1: but people who've been heavy smokers their whole lives mm-hmm. may end up getting hospitalised for related conditions. But the fact that in one year alone, 750 died. people died.
0: Yeah, that's pretty grim, isn't it?
1: Um, Yeah.
0: It's, it's also not good business sense, is it?
1: Yeah, for the bootleggers. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think they probably thought, well, you know, we're selling millions of dollars worth of this stuff, Mm -hmm. we lose people, we lose people. At the end of the day, people will still continue to take the risks. Mm -hmm. Speakeasies want the money, and so it continued. And obviously the government blamed the bootleggers for Mm -hmm. these deaths, but others blamed the government. So um, according to a really good website called the Mob Museum, one Dr Nicholas Murray Butler of Columbia University referred to it as legalised murder. And to be fair, the government did listen. They passed a new law limiting the maximum wood alcohol content in industrial alcohol to 2%. Mm-hmm. It was still present, but it was, it was a lot safer. They also started adding uh, kerosene, iodine, ether, nicotine and formaldehyde, which sound absolutely terrible, but they still made the alcohol taste really bad, mm. albeit with less harmful ingredients. Um, How do you make
0: alcohol from scratch?
1: I'll answer that for you in a minute. Another horrifying example of the quality of gin during the prohibition era comes from Boston, where two bootleggers called Gross and Reisman, they took an old medicinal recipe of powdered ginger mixed with alcohol. In order to hide the alcohol from the government, they added Lindol, which is this odorless, tasteless chemical that had been formally used to make um celluloid film and explosives oh, that's nice. yeah they said oh their, their manufacturer swore blind that you know it was safe to use but it was not safe to use so this drink which was marketed as ginger jake uh, w- was sold under the guise of it being medicinal and was sold throughout the united states but as I say, it was highly toxic. It could cause leg paralysis. Basically, everything below the waist stopped working. Impotence in men. Mm.
0: Sounds like just late on the booze. Yeah, it? yeah. Everything <laughs> below the waist isn't working. Gives new
1: meaning to brewer's droop, doesn't <laughs> it? And um, so, up to one hundred thousand people were affected by this.
0: Is a permanent yes paralysis. Yes,
1: Christ. Yeah you developed this limp called, that became known as the Jake Walk or Jake Leg.
0: Jake the Peg.
1: I didn't see Jake the Peg mentioned, but <laughs> it seems to fit, so why not? And there were even songs about it, so there was a song Jake called... Jake <laughs> Jake Walk Blues by the Allen Brothers. Yeah, All right. It went, I can't eat, I can't talk, been drinking mean Jake, Lord, now I can't walk, I ain't got nothing now to lose. Because I'm a Jake walking papa with the Jake walking blues. The people drinking this stuff were often very poor. They might have been poor immigrants. Um, A lot of African Americans were afflicted by it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that meant that getting any kind of treatment was a lot more difficult for those who were affected. So it was a massive tragedy. Um,
0: Poor suffers again.
1: Yeah. It's
0: never the big wigs, is it? Yeah. I bet they were drinking fine whiskey.
1: Well, obviously, yeah, like we said, with... uh, Old Capone with his Templeton rye. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned earlier, how do you make pure alcohol? Alcohol from scratch, yeah. So, bathtub gin.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Let's talk about bathtub gin. Let's go back to early 1920s Chicago now. So, in Little Italy, the Jenner Brothers gang went round giving out hundreds of one-gallon copper alky cookers or stills.
0: They just gave them out to people to put like in the kitchens and that? Yeah. That's cool. I want malty still. Yeah, me too. Sounds dangerous, like, but, you know.
1: So they'd also give you corn sugar and yeast, and people would just make small batches of homemade liquor in their kitchens.
0: So that's all it takes? Yeah. What kind of liquor? So it's just like grain alcohol, like vodka?
1: Yeah, exactly. Mm.
0: So they basically roped the entire community into making their alcohol Exactly.
1: Fun. They basically had a community production line going. And what they do is they would then return a few days later to the houses collect the finished pure alcohol paying around $15 a day for gallons and gallons of this pure alcohol so what cost them around 50 cents a gallon to produce was then sold on to the speakeasies for $6 a gallon Good God. so they were making a huge profit that's
0: like toast in restaurants or tea
1: yeah exactly yeah. toast for 3 pounds in a restaurant yeah i'm them. looking at you
0: newcastle airport mm.
1: So, going back to how this was made, this pure alcohol. So, the home moonshiners would ferment a mash from this corn sugar. Um, but they might also use things like fruit, beets, even potato peels to produce the alcohol. Anything that was sugary or starchy. And then they'd mix it with glycerin and add juniper oil as a flavouring, hence the gin factor. Mm. They'd then water it down by half. But even after the addition of the water in the juniper oil, it would still taste absolutely disgusting. So bartenders would then blend it with various mixes from bitters to fruit juices etc add loads of garnishes to hide the flavour. In a previous episode we talked about the um, birth of the cocktail and there were many factors in the birth of the cocktail including things like you know the the medicinal tonics and that kind of thing that would Mm -hmm. go in them but Cocktails really took off in the States during this era because of the need to Hi. essentially mask the, the foul a, taste.
0: It's like the whole story of curry in it, you know, to mask the off-meat. Yes, exactly, yeah. yeah. All the spices, the yeah. same with this, absolutely foul alcohol. And
1: it's now created a whole art form of mixology.
0: And £50,000 cocktail. Stickers. Indeed,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Like, as if Al Capone ever like, shut his own cocktail.
1: <laughs> yeah, probably not. Yeah, he probably had servants to do that for him.
0: It sounded ruder than I wanted to tell.
1: <laughs> Only to you, Matthew, no, you. I think you'll you. find
0: that a lot of our listeners will have gone,
1: oh! Listeners, did any of you make that noise when yeah. Matt said about Al Capone shaking his own cocktail? Let us know. Yeah, please do. So therein lies the tale of how Al Capone's favourite cocktail, the Southside Gin Fizz, came about. Mm-hmm. Now let's follow it down darkened stairways into a the damp, <laughs> underground okay. speakeasies of Prohibition America.
0: Is it on a tray being carried by somebody? Because this cocktail's not going Yeah, it's on a tray. It's okay. being carried yeah, by okay, someone okay, on okay, a tray. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I, quite, I was finding it hard to visualise a cocktail. Yeah, no worries. A
1: Happy to help. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so one of the few places where you could be sure that everyone present was a criminal, whether by trade or mere virtue of their presence Middlesbrough. <laughs> and, yeah. Um. So during Prohibition, no city had more illegal speakeasies than New York City. Guess how many speakeasies there were in New York during Prohibition? The
0: entirety of New York. I'd say about two, three thousand. Thirty-two
1: thousand speakeasies.
0: Thirty-two or three thousand. That's what I meant.
1: Oh, is that what you meant? That's Sorry. what I meant. Because I'm dead clever. My my bad.
0: So. I got that right. Are <laughs> saying I got that right? You we're saying
1: you got that right, yes. Yeah. yes. So, in these clip joints, the gin was bad, the company was shady. I can only imagine what the toilets would have been like. But not all of them were bad.
0: No, I bet there were some glitzy ones.
1: There were some glitzy ones. So you know, movie stars, even royalty, would attend some of these more glitzy speakeasies. Now, one such establishment was the El Fay Club, a gin joint run by someone called Texas Queenan, who <laughs> what was a
0: brilliant name. <laughs> isn't it an amazing name?
1: Texas was a nickname because she was from Texas, yeah. but she was also the first female Western movie star. Very charismatic, very beautiful woman. So uh, you'd go down a staircase, and at the bottom you'd find a locked door with a peephole on it. And if you were allowed to enter, you'd be greeted by Texas herself, who would shout to her, uh, shout her well-known catchphrase to her patrons: "Hello, suckers!" Um, can't see
0: that getting boring.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. But even even after she uh closed the joint, she then went on to continue her acting career and you know, hello suckers remained her phrase on Broadway and on the screen. So and you know, you get people like Rudolph Valentino, Babe Ruth visiting. Cool. Even the um Prince of Wales, Prince Edward mm-hmm. paid a visit. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was also known to exclaim, "A fight, a night, or your money back." So you can imagine that these, even in this sort of the more glitzy end of the um, the speakeasy spectrum, you could expect a few a few brawls.
0: Yeah, well, it's rocket of it. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. And um, there was a small stage, and there'd be chorus girls and. Dancing and whatnot, musical turns, etc. So, quite the atmosphere. Um, love to have gone to one of them. That'd
0: be cool. It? Mm. I'd have a go. I'd get up and do a bit.
1: You do a turn?
0: Yes, I would do um, some music hall jokes. Would you do one of those? Like, oh, I've seen you on a Tuesday, and everyone would ring it. Brawr. Where's me
1: washboard? Where's me
0: washboard type thing? Yeah. yeah.
1: So, before we end this tale, I want to go back to your question about how Al Capone ended up. Yes. So. In the late 1920s, Capone was facing intense competition from rival Northside gangsters, and his chief nemesis was called Bugs Moran. Cool. Yeah. Now, Moran was behind that earlier attempt to assassinate Capone's former boss, Torrio, and later tried to kill Capone himself. So on February the 14th, 1929, posing as police... Capone's gunmen assassinated several of Moran's men. They they burst in, told them they were the coppers, lined them up against the wall, shot them in cold blood. What date was that? It was February the 14th. February the 14th, yes. St. Valentine's Day massacre, as it's commonly known.
0: A horrible thing to do. It
1: was, abs- I mean, it was, you know, even by gangster standards, it was it was pretty cold-blooded. And Moran himself was just approaching... Up the path when he oh. heard the shooting going on, so he actually managed to escape unharmed and Although Capone himself was in Miami at the time, so he had an alibi, the public and the press immediately blamed him for the massacre, and This was the beginning of the end for his public image, really, so once mm. the man of you know the Robin Hood character yeah. had now turned into a much imagine, more sinister
0: exactly way I mean imagine uh, I know Robin Hood wasn't real, but at the same time, I bet
1: was Robin Hood not real no. He was real.
0: Why does everyone think Robin Hood's real? It was someone called Roger Godbird, who apparently was similar to Robin Hood. So he
1: was real. Robin Hood was a nickname. His real name was Roger Godbird.
0: So, but as how? I was saying, Robin Hood, uh, everyone, everyone will have been chuffed with his little stories, his ballads, because we've heard about it. Yeah. But what you haven't heard is that he's knifed noblemen and cut them open and killed yeah. them in front of their friends. Yeah. But everyone's yeah. like, well, just gloss over yeah. that. Yes,
1: yeah. history has a, yeah. has a habit of doing that. Yeah. So, in response to the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, President Herbert Hoover stepped up efforts to charge Capone, not with murder, but with... Tax evasion. Tax evasion, exactly.
0: Yeah, because they couldn't get him on anything, he was too clever. So yeah. they had to get him on something that he wasn't clever enough with.
1: And it wasn't just that he was clever, it was that there was the intimidation, he had friends in high places.
0: Meticulous bookkeeping as well.
1: Is that right? Yes,
0: and that's why he got caught. Oh, right, mm-hmm.
1: Interesting.
0: As is my understanding, and the film Untouchables.
1: Right. And apparently, his lawyers didn't do a very good job with no. the tax evasion case. I think they missed a few tricks with it, and yeah. he was eventually charged and sentenced to 11 years in prison.
0: On The Rock. On The Rock. On The Rock. Yeah. That's
1: Sean, yeah.
0: Sean Connery. The Rock. Really? Mm -hmm. It was in The Rock, the film. It's a great film.
1: This is is The Rock.
0: Why? We have
1: been sentenced. We have been sentenced to a stint in The Rock.
0: He's so good, isn't he? He's got so so, so much range. He's so
1: much range. (laughs) I think he was initially imprisoned somewhere else, but he was found um, giving backhanders to prison guards or something, and so then he was sent to Alcatraz. And his influence was waning and his, his health started to fail as well. So dementia, which which had been caused by syphilis that he'd had for most of his adult life, had started to take its toll and after, Oof. yeah, not pleasant at all. No,
0: horrible death, Yeah. Um, I mean, he caused a lot of horrible yeah, deaths himself, yeah. so, you know.
1: He served six and a half years there and then went to a psychiatric hospital in 1939. Is that right? Yeah.
0: Is that where he died?
1: No, he was then let out, very shortly before his death, I think. I think Ah. it was just like, you know, spend your last days at home sort of thing. Eventually died of a heart attack in 1947. How
0: old? 48. He was 48? Is that all he was when he died? Mm. Goodness me.
1: When he died, the New York Times headline read, End of an Evil Dream, which it sort of was, but, you know, Prohibition had ended six years before his death.
0: I could have been like a really good businessman, couldn't he? Yeah. It's tragic.
1: Yeah. And and you know, it's interesting that you say businessman because before Prohibition, gang related crime was not what you would call organized crime. They were they were just a bunch of
0: lads punching people and stealing <laughs> watches. Uh... Yeah.
1: But after prohibition came into effect, you know, they became these multi million dollar Essentially, corporations. Yeah, yeah, industry. Yeah. yeah, they had the hierarchy, they had the, you know, like you say, the bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. They just unfortunately left a trail of broken people in their way. You know, after Prohibition ended, gin made its return to the mainstream in 1950s America, but you can learn all about that in episode four. So, do you want to do a fun thing before we finish? Um, yes. Do you want a quiz? Is what I'm saying. Do you want a quiz?
0: Always up yeah. for a quiz. Okay,
1: so I thought I would give you a gangster name quiz.
0: Mm. What's your gangster name?
1: Sarah the Don Donnelly, of course.
0: I'd be called uh, Titchie Ear Reed.
1: Titchie Ear, because you've got tiny ears. Yeah. yeah. Tiny Ear. Right, Titchie Reed and Sarah the Don Donnelly. Titchie
0: Scarface Reed.
1: Uh, you can't have Scarface because Al Capone's nickname was Scarface.
0: Well, he's not here, is he? He's dead of syphilis. <laughs> So, who's the winner?
1: Okay, you can be Scarface Yes, Reed.
0: Scarface Reed. Okay then.
1: Right, this quiz is called Gangster or Prankster. Okay? Gangster or Prankster. Yeah.
0: Excellent alliteration. The
1: pranksters aren't actually pranksters. They're, no, just, no. they're just a prank name.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm going to give you the name of a gangster who was involved in bootlegging. Mm-hmm. And you have to tell me whether this was a real gangster name or a fake gangster name, okay? Number one, Gangster or Prankster. Willy potatoes
0: (laughs) Sounds like terrible hygiene. (laughs) Uh, It's nothing worse than Willy Potato. Come on, guys, it's Willie Potatoes. No, that's that's a prankster. That's real. Oh, God, I bet everyone avoided
1: him. There's William Dadano Sr., also known as Willi- William Russo and Willie Potatoes. He was a top enforcer and loan shark for the Chicago outfit and a participant in high-profile robberies. Just he a- was known as a ruthless killer who, re- who was refined in torture. Really? Mm.
0: Refined in torture? God almighty, language has changed on it. Yeah. I want to be feared Willy
1: Potatoes I think
0: it is for you Bert.
1: <laughs> Okay Number two Booby
0: parsnips
1: <laughs> Number two Gangster or prankster Jimmy the Joker Francis
0: Jimmy the Joker Gangster
1: Prankster uh-uh. God, I made him up Question number three Gangster or prankster Cock-eyed Louie <laughs>
0: Willie Potatoes, (laughs) Cockeye Louie. I'm gonna say that's a gangster.
1: Yes, it is a gangster. Cockeyed Louis, Louis Thomas Fratto, Chicago gangster in 1939. Fratto replaced Charles Cherry Nose Geo as the mob boss of Iowa. He was also the Iowa distributor of Canadian Ice Beer, which was a Capone family enterprise. Imagine that, right?
0: I'm the head of an uh, organised crime family. Huh. Let's call him Cockeye. <laughs> <laughs> Who gave him that name? Who was brave enough to give him that name? Did he... he know about it? Yeah. Unless "cock eye" meant something else,
1: I just means you've got a you've got a funny eye, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. Right. Number three: gangster or prankster? Mickey Black Eye McGovern. Prankster. Prankster. You're correct.
0: Yes, that sounded too too contrived.
1: Okay. But yeah. if
0: you you've made him up, yeah. Yeah. What's his special skills?
1: His special skills are he's a he's a um... sounds like
0: a terrible fighter. <laughs>
1: Uh, no, he's a he's a great bare knuckle boxer mm-hmm. and whenever he wins he pours alcohol, illicit alcohol into the wounds of his opponent just to make it hurt more and then he drinks the alcohol off the floor, d- drenched in their blood. Wow. Any questions?
0: Yeah, a couple <laughs> I've got quite a few about your mental state when you when we'll finish this podcast, yeah. <laughs> okay. Carry ne- on. Next
1: one. Gangster or prankster? Luigi No Nuts Nucci.
0: Prankster. Prankster. <laughs> yeah, they were never gonna use that. They'd never bring that as like, oh I've got any balls. I don't think I'll uh... it's a good one. Good, Louis, good knee
1: <laughs> Louis knee balls. Louis
0: knee What's his special skill?
1: Um he Running
0: up the stairs quietly. <laughs>
1: He can wear very tight shorts. Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, gangsters, that was well uh, yeah. well documented. Yeah,
1: it makes him more aerodynamic so he can run away <laughs> so from passed. the police.
0: <laughs> he's faster running away from the police because he's got no knives. Yes. Right, well done.
1: Okay, next one, a gangster or a prankster? Louis, two guns, altery. Gangster. Correct. Yes. Obsessed with the Wild West, Ultry never went without a pair of Colt forty-five pistols in holsters at his side. Hence the nickname. He was a hitman. Um,
0: Discreet one. <laughs> yeah,
1: very temperamental. He once challenged a rival, rival gang members to a shootout on State, State Street, and also once punched a horse in the face.
0: Was he a Newcastle United fan.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, that happened in you Newcastle, had didn't it?
0: He went to prison. The imbecile. <laughs>
1: Good. Next one, Joe Angel Face Kennedy, gangster or prankster? Gangster. Prankster. Oh no,
0: that was a good one. Well done for coming up with that one. Thank you. Angel Face, what, what was his special skill? He girl? was
1: very handsome. Was he very handsome? Face of an angel. And you
0: thought, oh, he can't do us any harm. He but could
1: charm the pants off anyone. rich
0: blade. i tell you what, he, he could
1: charm the tight pants off Luigi Nonuts Nucci, I can tell you that. That
0: is some tight pants
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> to be charming off.
1: Jack Machine Gun McGurn. Gangster or prankster?
0: I you can't pronounce his last name. I'm going to say gangster. McGurn. Even McGurn. Oh.
1: <laughs> what did you call him? A gangster or a prankster? Gangster. Yeah, he's a gangster. He is one of Capone's top hitmen. Um, he was the one who supposedly. What was his special
0: weapon? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Switchblade. <laughs> he was supposedly the. The man behind the St Valentine's Day massacre. He was eventually shot down himself in a Milwaukee Avenue bowling alley in 1936. The killers left a Valentine's note at his feet, ironically reading ah. You've lost your job, you've lost your dough your jewels and your car and handsome houses but things could still be worse do you know, at least you haven't lost your trousers.
0: It's not almost romantic. Not no really, answer, no. It? Wouldn't, wouldn't have charmed me.
1: No. <laughs> Okay, next one, gangster or prankster? Paul the Waiter Reacher, or Rika.
0: That guy's a gangster. Obviously,
1: because I can't pronounce his name, yes. so I kind of made it up. Um, yeah, known as The Waiter because he used to work for Diamond Joe Esposito um, in a restaurant. He outlasted most of his peers.
0: <laughs> Probably because he wasn't out doing crimes. He was busy busy yeah. bussing bu- <laughs> <busing> plates. <laughs>
1: Okay, Tommy the Nipples Kowalski, gangster or prankster? Prankster. Of course he was a prankster, that yes. was that was a ridiculous one. Lester Joseph Babyface Nelson. I think I've heard of him actually, mm. yeah. he's, he's a gangster. A gangster. Right. Yeah, um, he...
0: Had a tiny face.
1: <laughs> yes, he did have a tiny face... Um, he stole tires drove bootlegging trucks and mugged the wife of William Big Bill Thompson the mayor of Chicago and she's the one who compared his face to that of a baby Ah. yeah there you go well done you were successful on or Prankster (laughs) me so that's it That, that ties up our story of
0: crime crime and
1: gin yeah
0: Well that's a fascinating tale as well, a dark and twisted story as always. Where we've learned that Robin Hood isn't real. I ain't telling you no more Gin News headlines today. Glass action lawsuit Glasgow bar lodges stolen gin glass amnesty after their special glasses are pinched over Christmas Big gin investment Harvey Nick sells the world's most expensive gin and spirited away more than 100,000 pound worth of whiskey and gin stolen in Scotland Glass action lawsuit uh, yeah the restaurant Le Bon Auberge the boss of that company mark jones noticed that the glasses that he'd had specially engraved for his restaurant had gone missing over christmas now a couple you might account it's going to happen yeah you might yeah. account for a couple or breakages even yeah busy time over christmas but it's gone down from 84 to 16 no yes the glasses are beautiful i want to
1: see these glasses they must be glasses stunning. are very nice
0: they're very nice it's, a, it's his logo on the side but they're just your basic bowl glasses but nothing you couldn't get anywhere else. It's <laughs> just got that, and people have just been pilfering them.
1: Pesky blinders. Yeah,
0: I know. i not? the Building they, they just... What oh, a fork, I love that. Go here. Yeah. Uh, he said, uh, Mark said, he said, it seems that as well as our gin selection... Good, getting an advert in there, even nice. though you're getting your glasses... I like you, Mark. Well done. seems that as well as our gin selection, the glasses have proved just as appealing. And then he's offered uh, an amnesty. He says, if anyone fetches them back, because he wants some more... But they'll not be available till February. And he retains there for the perfect power of his gel and tonics. He just wants them back. But the glasses he's ordered, they'll not be there until February. So that's that's what's happening there.
1: Right. If you've got a glass from what's it called? The Bon Auberge.
0: Le Bon Auberge.
1: Le Bon Auberge. In Glasgow. In Glasgow. If you've got one.
0: You... Take it back. No questions asked. Be a sport. Yeah, go on. Put on Mark and his something expensive restaurant. <laughs> Take his glass back for him. He swines. Probably expensive enough trying to run a restaurant where people pinch any glasses.
1: Tell you what, show us a picture of you taking your glass back to him and we'll send you a mini bottle of gin. Yes. Offer runs until uh, <laughs> January 100. the 31st, two thousand. Yeah. Offer runs
0: until 15 minutes after this was <laughs> Speaking of expensive gin, big gin investment. Now, what mm. was that all about? Harvey Nicks, as we all know, a very reasonably priced shop, <laughs> uh, sells the world's most expensive gin. How much do you reckon? Have a stab.
1: Gin, okay. Gin's quick to make. It's not going to have been being aged for like 20 years or whatever. So we're not going to be talking whiskey prices here. I'm going to go two and a half thousand pounds. We'll add another one and a half thousand pounds.
0: Four grand? Four grand. Wow. Because it was weird. But Last night we were looking through the most expensive spirits you can get.
1: Yes, that's right. And
0: tequila, I think it was tequila was number one, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: and it was like a million pounds. Yeah, like two million quid or something like that. But wasn't the bottle, like, it was but the, but Yeah, exactly, diamonds. it was the bottle. Yeah.
0: Now, I think that's what... But this this gin, it's called Morris LXIV. Right. right which is r- numerals de roman. It, apparently, right? It, it, it does sound like a very special gin. It doesn't sound like the mucking About.
1: Okay, talk me through
0: it. Okay, apparently.
1: Convince, convince me. Okay, well,
0: this is for £4,000. <laughs> They take the leaves of a single ancient mulberry tree right? Right. Morris Niagara. Right. And they produce a batch of this the cask strength sixty four percent ABV. Yep. Takes over two years.
1: Ah, so it it is sort of aged.
0: Yep. Two years. But each leaf is hand harvested. This is where it starts getting silly for me. Of course it is.
1: How do you how do you mechanically Harvest, harvest a leaf off. Well you can strip it
0: off, but like obviously if you if you want to be gentle about it, if it's only one tree, it's not like you can't in the industrial no. size, eh? Anyway, each leaf is hand harvested and dried, balanced with further botanicals, obviously, you can't mm. just have one leaf in it. <laughs> and then distilled. Now the four thousand deluxe edition will get you a handmade porcelain jar and a porcelain stirrup cup. With a leather hand embossed case. Okay. Four grand. <sighs> but don't worry, you might not have four grand. Have you got four grand spare? I have not
1: got four grand. We haven't got,
0: we haven't got a four grand spare, have we? But if you poor like us, there is a three centilitre bottle.
1: Three centilitres.
0: Centilitres.
1: Okay, so we're, t- we're talking micro. Yeah,
0: I mean, like you, you'd have to. You couldn't drink it. You just have to kiss it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with the cup in the case in a luxury gift box. What's a luxury gift? I'm sorry, th- this this word luxury, a gift box. I suppose it,
1: it could have like a silk lining and, and- You can't
0: sleep in it. It's not, no. No. It's just a box.
1: No.
0: Anyway, it's a luxury gift box. And that is a very reasonable price, 200 pounds. But three cent litres for 200 pounds, absolute nonsense. I mean, like you can't, you couldn't even, you, you wouldn't be able to, it would barely, it would barely rush over a taste bud to three centilitres.
1: No, yeah, there's no problem. But I have to say, I would like to try it. I'd absolutely love to try oh. it. I
0: mean, uh, we tried anti-gin, which was 30 You did, shot. I
1: didn't, because I'm vegetarian. Yes. And so animals, too.
0: Anyway, but the gin, this gin is made by the makers of Jam Jar Gin.
1: Oh, we have a mini Jam Jar We have gym. a mini
0: Jam Jar Gin. We haven't tried that yet.
1: Well, we'll just convince ourselves it's the same thing. Yes. Yeah.
0: So that's that's big gin investment. If you've got four grand spare, buy yourself a bottle that. And finally, spirited away. There has been a burglary of more than £100,000 worth of whiskey and gin.
1: Apt for this episode.
0: Uh-huh, yeah. Crime, gin and crime. Yeah. £100,000 worth of whiskey and gin stolen from a lorry in Scotland. It's says stolen from a lorry, apparently they pinched the lorry as well. It sounds Sopranos-esque, doesn't
1: yeah. it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. A lorry loaded with £100,000 of whiskey and gin was taken from uh, Nether South Bar Farm in Inchingham. It was t- in the early hours and was similar to a theft nearby the week before. Two men in high-vis jackets strolled in and just took it away.
1: If you wear a high-vis jacket, yeah, more you, can it, you can You Like my mum said that a guy in a high-vis jacket started kind of waving at her from the side of the road. So because he had this high-vis jacket on, she pulled over and it was just a hitchhiker. Yeah. But then she kind of, out of politeness, had to give him a lift. But but yeah, high-vis, it's... Um... Mm-hmm.
0: It's the same like holding a clipboard. You more or less yeah. do a load of stuff if you hold a clipboard. If you look the part, like it, there's loads of people getting into jobs that are worth millions and millions of pounds if you look looking the part. Yeah. There's a lot of psychological uh, behaviour in the way you're dressed and the way you turn out.
1: My dad always used to say to me, if you ever want to not look suspicious, just walk around eating a ham sandwich. Right. Because who does anything suspicious while eating a ham sandwich?
0: Correct. Hot dog you could put in there.
1: Anything? Just, yeah. or just eating a roll? Just eating, eating any kind of roll? A Mars bar a Mars bar yeah maybe
0: (laughs) I love the way you decided that no I wouldn't trust a Mars bar no I
1: don't think I'd trust a Mars bar (laughs) Um, oh well that's a shame
0: yeah but I mean I'm pretty sure that uh, the gin was into circulation so it'll be out there like almost bootlegging but with decent stuff yeah yeah so perhaps (gasps) it might be the ghost of Aldru Capone
1: (laughs) it's happening again oh
0: no (laughs) be careful now Careful out there, but um, hundred thousand pounds worth. It's the four grand gin. It's only a couple of bottles, isn't it? it? (laughs) So unlucky that mulberry tree that's going to get harvested again. (laughs) Hope you get some of it back, and the people are brought to justice swift and violent. Just not violent, just justice. Hope they die of syphilis. Yeah, hope they get syphilis, which is probably massively curable now yeah you?
1: and i i i don't i mean yeah i don't get syphilis i mean, I, I, syphilis. Don't, don't I, mean I just, just hope they
0: get a good old wrap on the knuckles yeah. yes Cuff
1: behind the ear yes
0: and <laughs> on with your dear scallywires <laughs> good
1: day sir
0: good day sir and uh, and that was gin news Recipe time, gangland style. <laughs> yes.
1: It's a very quick recipe section today because we've got a really nice, simple, easy recipe for you that also happened to be the favourite of Mr Al Capone himself.
0: Al Drew himself. Al
1: Drew himself. It's the Southside Gin Fizz. Now, we're going to make it without the fizz today. The fizz element is soda water, um, but you can add soda or you can not add soda depending on your taste. Do what
0: you want. Don't let us tell you what to do. God, live your life. <laughs> so how do we start
1: well for this you're going to need seven fresh mint leaves
0: seven that is very precise It's
1: very minty
0: <laughs> okay and
1: re- remember capone would have been trying to uh, mask the terrible gin yes. that uh, he may have been drinking so yep seven fresh mint leaves 60 milliliters of your favorite gin
0: I have selected the Lone Wolf.
1: And why have you selected the Lone Wolf today, Because it's Matthew? delicious. <laughs> it is, it is, it is delicious.
0: There's no other reason to select a gin in my opinion.
1: And it's good for cocktails because it's not too overpowering in its flavour.
0: No, it's not. It's a great, it's a great gin with good people behind it.
1: Yeah. You're also going to need 30 millilitres of either fresh lemon juice or fresh lime juice.
0: I've selected lime. You've
1: selected lime today because we, we prefer lime. just it's just a, it's just a
0: Bloody great fruit! It's just a bloody good lad, his lime. It's
1: <laughs> a good lad. And we squeezed, we weren't massively precise about the measurements but we we squeezed one and a half lines. I did it
0: with all my big muscles. You did Mm -hmm.
1: and 15 milliliters of sugar syrup we're using the Monin sugar syrup. Now have the soda on hand so that you can use it or not use it according to your taste. Mm -hmm. Right let's go ahead and mix this so in with the mint leaves.
0: Mint leaves plop plop there we go.
1: In with the gin. Gin, yep. Spilt a little bit. You've spilt quite a bit, <laughs> actually.
0: Uh, that is, that's another measure. It's gone all over the lovely, lovely drinks cabinet. Well done.
1: And
0: and the sugar syrup. There we go.
1: Matthew, do you want to do the? Uh,
0: I'll shake a shaker. It. hold that on. There you go. Right. All
1: right, here we go. See the bruising.
0: Oh it's like the ass. Shake like a pro.
1: Right, I think I think the mint leaves are adequately bruised. In fact they're mashed to a pulp.
0: Mm, poor little leaves.
1: <laughs> um, we've got a glass, a margarita glass with a couple of ice cubes in it and a sprig of mint leaf to garnish. Smells good. Looks good. I'm also going to add a dash of bitters to this.
0: Mm-hmm. Three drops max.
1: Yeah, so I haven't got Angostura bitters, but what I have got <clears throat> is Hotel Chocolat cocoa bitters. Very similar, it's, it, I mean, or not dissimilar to Angostura. It doesn't taste really, really chocolatey. It's got that citrusy, very slightly cocoa-y bitterness to it. Very, very nice. A couple of drops of that going in as well. Right there. There we
0: go. There we go, that is one... Should
1: we top it off with soda? As I think our Capone would have wanted.
0: Can we have a...
1: We'll have a slab without
0: the soda. Okay. Smells good. Have a, have a niff.
1: Oh, smells delightful. Very zesty. Fresh oh and delicious. Oh my God, that I'll, is
0: absolutely splendid. Is it? Mm. Wow. That does not need... That doesn't need soda? Soda at all. Oh, Capone, you knew how to live. Oh, wow. <laughs> that...
1: Right. Say what you will about Capone.
0: I tell you what, yeah, he was a violent, horrible, syphilitic bastard. (laughs) But I tell you what, he he knew what a good drink was. That's what he did. I would raise a glass to you, but you're a bastard. So this is to gin. Cheers. Mm. that's gin and crime
1: covered solved yeah
0: and everyone is either shot dead in their syphilitic graves (laughs) or arrested and in jail
1: I think justice has been saved boys
0: (laughs) justice has been saved is that that how you're doing we'll move
1: on we'll move on from that So we enjoyed it hope you enjoyed it yes
0: that's episode 14 uh tune in for episode what's next 15 (laughs) so tune in tune in yeah you're not tuning in you're clicking on websites
1: unless you're listening on tune in in which case tune in
0: yeah tune yeah tune in (laughs) tune mother's room podcast was written and performed by matthew reed and sarah dunley Theme tune written and performed by Holly Jazz Cotier.